menopause, perimenopause, these can be some of the most uncomfortable phases of a woman's life. If you find yourself in either of these, well, Hormone Harmony is here for you. Hormone Harmony capsules contain science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it really shows. And get this. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code DRESSED at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code DRESSED for 15% off today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Dress, the history of fashion, is a production of Dress Media. billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the history of fashion, a podcast that explores the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary and April Callahan. Dressed listeners, welcome back to part two of our exploration of the exhibition Fashioned by Sargent, which in partnership with the Tate Britain recently opened at the Museum of Fine Arts, Boston. Earlier this week, art historian Dr. Erica Herschler, the Kroll Senior Curator of American Paintings at the MFA Boston, joined us to speak about the American painter John Singer Sargent's early years and his training in Paris as a painter. We also spoke about his working relationships with his clients and his very unique vision in depicting the spirit and style of the late 19th century. I think it may have come as a surprise to many of us that Sargent was intensely involved in styling his clients, even going as far as ordering gowns from the House of Worth on their behalf, which is amazing. And yet, on many other occasions, he actually preferred his sitters to keep their haute couture creations in their closets, and instead, he preferred to paint them simply in everyday dress. His subjects could hardly argue, as he was one of the most sought-after portraitists of his day, and he was really renowned for his ability to poignantly capture the inner depths of his sitter on canvas. And actually, because of this, some prospective sitters 
actively avoided working with him, April, finding the accuracy and level of intimacy unnerving. Yeah. And, and I mean, seriously, if you if you look at some of his best portraits, you'll know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about. It's like he could see into their soul and it freaks <laughs> some people out. But today we will turn our attention to one of Sargent's most famous works, Madam X, which Cass, actually you and um, Dr. Elizabeth L. Block also very briefly discussed on last week's episode. But today we're also going to look into some of Sargent's sizzling portraits of his male subjects and also discuss a little bit about uh, Sargent's presumed homosexuality. Dr. Herschler, welcome back. We cannot wait to hear more about the sartorial stylings of John Singer Sargent. Well, dress listeners, I know that some of you have probably been waiting with bated breath for us to talk about what is arguably Sargent's most famous work. Uh, We are speaking about Madame X, of course. Erica, for any of our listeners who aren't already familiar with this painting, could you describe the painting itself for us and also Tell us about its significance and its scandal. Sargent's portrait that's now known as Madame X is one of the icons really of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And let me just go on record saying how grateful I am that they made this exceptional loan for this exhibition. Because of all Sargent's work, this is the one that everybody talks about Sargent and uh, his relationship to fashion and about the sitter and her relationship to fashion. So the painting is called Madame X, which is how Sargent sold it to the Metropolitan Museum in 1915 with that title. We know that um, Madame X was actually Virginie Avenio Gautreau, who was the wife of a Parisian banker. She was actually from New Orleans, And she and her mother moved to Paris after the Civil War. Her father passed away fighting for the Confederacy during the Civil War, and they uh, came to Paris afterwards, and she snagged a rich banker husband. And she also really made herself into a classic Parisienne, a woman of fashion, a woman who was noticed at social events, who cultivated her beauty as a method of gaining social power. She was known for the sleek dresses that she wore and for her use of cosmetics, a a rice powder, for example, to make her skin look whiter, which actually had a little bit of a blue tinge to it, which as those of us who who remember the history of laundry know, you used to add bluing to your white laundry to make it look whiter. Um, She rouged her ears. She used this um, so-called lavender of potash powder on her arms and her décolleté. And she really made an appearance. And one of Sargent's um, American colleagues saw her and described her as black as spades and white as milk. And she glided (gasps) into make an appearance at various events. So as, as Sargent's colleague noted, everybody wanted to record this woman who was so spectacularly uh, extravagantly beautiful, but also sort of an exotic specimen, if, if you will. 
And Sargent convinced her to pose for him, and he made this spectacular portrait, a very stark portrait, of her standing in a black gown against a brown background, with one arm sort of twisted back behind her, resting on a table, and the other arm holding a fan. And she's turned away from you. She doesn't look at the visitor at all. She is turned so that her face is completely in profile, while her body is completely frontal. Sargent depicted her dress, we assume accurately, the dress doesn't survive. It had a heart-shaped velvet bodice and a black satin skirt. And Sargent posed her completely carefully so that whatever padding or train that dress might have had is completely invisible. Looks like a sheath almost in, in the painting. But we know from the era that there would have been some volume at the back of the dress. Absolutely. So the painting was conceived and and started in 1883-84. If we look at fashions of the period, we know that it would have had something going on in the back. But Sargent poses her so frontally that you don't see any of that. And Sargent um, is a man who seems to have really hated a bustle, and he seldom shows one. He often has uh, his women seated or turned in, in a way that you don't see that um, train or appendage coming out behind them. And he does it so severely with Madame Gautreaux that she almost has the look, as, as Elizabeth Block has pointed out, of a classical statue. She is so slim. She might be the Venus de Milo or some sort of Grecian goddess that is completely all about contour and profile. The dress is unusual. The bodice is held up only by diamond straps or sparkly, whether they're real diamonds, who knows, but um, sparkly, clear colored stone straps. And when Sargent originally displayed this portrait, when it was first finished, one of those straps was shown fallen off her shoulder. Shocking. (laughs) This is my question. Is this portrait, stark and dramatic as it is, really sort of sexually shocking to a Parisian audience in the 80s. Mm. The Salon exhibitions had a thousand paintings in them, plenty of nudes, plenty of sexy portraits of women, portraits of, you know, Empress Sisi, for example, with the gown off her shoulders. Um, So it's, I wonder often, and have speculated in the book, what else is going on here? And I really feel that these portraits are almost avatars for the people that they represent and for the artist themselves, that showing the portrait in public gives a viewer a chance to talk about it, to talk about it in a very open way, often a very critical way, to speak publicly what was said in private. And so when this portrait was displayed and her name was not associated with it in 1884 at the Salon, which opened in May of 1884, 
Um, it just said Madam uh, asterisk 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 in the catalog, and that was not unusual. Most society women wouldn't have been named in in the catalog, but everybody knew who she was, and so there were endless comments about her, nasty ones, a lot. Ralph Curtis, Sergeant's uh, distant cousin, wrote to Sergeant and said that the portrait was surrounded in the gallery by shoals of jibing women. And it was criticized not only in sort of public commentary, but also in the press. It was caricatured, as many paintings at the Salon were, but she was called the Queen of Hearts. She was called out for her makeup and said that she looked like a clown, or she looked like a corpse, or it looked like her dress was about to fall off. Or in one of the nastiest ones, how could Sargent paint a woman who had already painted herself? So to me, those comments go beyond the portrait and they go to Madame Gautreau herself and Sargent himself. And there is very much, I believe, a nationalist edge here. A couple of years before, before anybody had seen this portrait, which, by the way, Madame Gautreau called a masterpiece before it was uh, exhibited at the Salon. She wrote a letter to a friend saying, Sargent has made a masterpiece of my portrait. So she liked it before anybody started talking about it. There had been an article a couple years before that picked out three things that made this French writer nervous. The first was that an American horse had won the races at Longchamp. The second was that Sargent was beginning to outdo his French teacher, Carolus Durand, in the stylish portraiture department. And the third thing named in this 1881 article is that Madame Gautreau was trying to be the ultimate Parisienne. And the article said, the Americans are coming to hoist their flag over our land. So there is a bit of nationalism here at the Salon when an American painter and an American sitter are positioning themselves to be the most beautiful Parisienne and the most stylish portraitist in Paris. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to tap back into something in terms of that criticism, that the quote that how dare he paint her because she has already painted herself. I think that a lot of times people are just, you know, thinking about this very generally in terms of her use of cosmetics. But a fellow fashion historian has spoken to me a little bit about this little known practice of enameling. Are you familiar with this? No. <laughs> okay. So apparently, Madame Gautreau was a practitioner of this art of enameling where usually pretty much only very elite Parisian women would go into their salon the day of and literally be painted. And it was called enameling. And it was something that actually had enamel in it. It could be cakey and crack. Um, so women at these parties, when they had been enameled earlier in the day, had to sit very still and very stiff. And it was 
an air of performance and elegance. And she also points out that the ear, the little pink ears, the tips of her ears in the painting are quite pink. So she was either rouging them or um, leaving little bits and pieces of herself unenameled as a sort of like a suggestion of eroticism. So yeah, I think that the I think this art of enameling um, is is very interesting, and there's a ton of uh, more work to be done on that cosmetic practice. Absolutely, I can't wait to hear more. But obviously, if she did that, you you can just imagine how other women might feel about this performance mm-hmm. in society, and it doesn't really help that that she's an upstart from New Orleans and as opposed to a, a woman of um, good French stock, if yeah. Has, yeah. you know, and I, I do think those personal things play a huge role in the criticism of Sargent's portrait. Mm-hmm. She comes to his studio begging him to repaint the strap in the up, right position, which he refuses to do during the run of the salon exhibition. It's just not done to go in and repaint while your painting is on view. But he does repaint it in the vertical position very soon after the salon. There's a photograph of Sargent in his Paris studio with the painting and the strap is already up. It was a shock, I think, the reception to both of them. Sargent's portrait commissions just don't happen as quickly as they had been happening in Paris. And Madame Gautreau is said to retreat from society. I would point out that some years later in the 1890s, she has herself painted again by a French artist, Gustave Courtois, and he paints her in profile with one strap of her well gone, fallen off her shoulder. <laughs> A little, little social intrigue innuendo there. Dress listeners, did you know that you can save on everything from fashion to beauty, home decor to groceries, even kids' school supplies with Rakuten? Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category. Beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets, you name it. You're already shopping at your favorite stores, so why not be saving while doing it? It really is a no-brainer. How does it work, you ask? Well, stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You get paid via a check or PayPal quarterly. Membership is free, and it's easy to sign up. So join the 17 million members who have already saved at their favorite brands. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cash back really adds up. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N dot com. Dress listeners, whatever your reason for wanting to learn a new language, whether it's an upcoming international adventure, communicating with your friends and family abroad, or even professional purposes, Rosetta Stone has got you covered. As the trusted expert in language learning for 30 years now, you can join millions of Rosetta Stone users to learn any of the 25 languages offered. That includes Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and so many more. And this is fast language acquisition, friends. There are no English translations, so you learn to speak listen and think in your new language. And right now you can get lifetime access to all 25 of Rosetta Stone's language courses for 50% off. That's language learning for 25 languages for the rest of your life, which Cass is 
frankly, amazing. It is. And what are you waiting for, dress listeners? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, dress listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Dress listeners, if you suffer from seasonal allergies like me, Astapro is your new go-to. It has been super helpful to me this spring as it bursts into full bloom. And that's because Astapro is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter solution for nasal allergy symptoms. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. You too can get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief like I have with Astapro. It gets me back in the game, ready to record the show for all of you. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and Go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. The falling of the strap, that is part and parcel of this implied eroticism in the portrait of Madame X, and, and that also fueled this sensationalism around it. But an undercurrent of sensuality or even sexuality is seen in many of Sargent's other portraits as well, and particularly those of men, as you have already alluded to. There are two particular works that I'm hoping that we can discuss. Could we first talk about the portrait of Dr. Pazzi? I think it's called Dr. Pazzi at Home, which is important in terms of what he's wearing. It's from 1881. And then could we also maybe kind of do a little compare contrast with uh, the portrait of W. Graham Robertson from a few years later? What were they both wearing And how does dress function in shaping their identities in these portraits? The first one, Dr. Pozzi, is um, a French portrait painted in Paris. It seems to be something that Sargent solicited. So like Madame X, an exceptional portrait in his career and really one of his most uh, unconventional portraits of men. Dr. Pozzi is shown against a red curtain He's wearing a full-length red dressing gown with a white shirt under it that shows up at his neck and at the cuffs, and he's wearing Turkish slippers. He was in a very handsome man, dark hair, mustache and beard, a sort of olive complexion, the sort of man that it seems Sargent was attracted to because we see that type repeated throughout his career. Pozzi was an eminent surgeon in Paris, a member of the Faculty of Medicine uh, at the university in Paris. The academic color of the Faculty of Medicine is red. So the redness of um, this particular Mm -hmm. image could also 
for example, allude to his profession. We've got photographs of Potsy and we know that he was a very well-dressed man about town. He was an, an innovator in his field, uh, which happened to be gynecology. And some, you know, some of his techniques are still practiced or, or studied today. He was also a member of a, a very arty, decadent society in Paris during that time. Writers, poets, painters who were all very interested in the arts and sort of edgy in their likes. Robert de Montesquieu, for example, was a, was a friend in uh, the circle of Proust and Whistler, etc. And it's interesting to me that Sargent has chosen to show this man who had two sides to him, the professional side and the artistic side, he chose, chooses to show him not as the professional doctor in his office, wearing a very elegant suit, sitting at his desk, reading a book, which is what most portraits of professional men would have looked like, but instead deliberately shows him at home. And the title, Dr. Potsy at Home, is the original title for the painting. He really makes it into a performance. It's got this curtain behind him as if he's just stepped out from some private quarters onto a public stage. His one hand is held um, sort of at his collarbone as if he's almost acknowledging his audience. It's so dramatic with the red robe and the red curtain and the red sash around his waist that it becomes an extremely sensual portrait set in a, in a liminal space. Yeah, there's something extremely intimate about it and almost a little bit voyeuristic, right? So the category of dress, he's wearing a dress and gown. In French, we would call it déshabillé. So it's somewhere between your undergarments and your outdoor clothes. Now we might kind of call this category loungewear, but this is not something that would be seen by the public. So it's very clear that this is an intimate space in which uh, Sargent is depicting him. And I think there's an interesting tension in a lot of of Sargent's work too, that he's so good at almost painting into the soul of his sitter. He captures their personalities so well, but at the same time, he has many times put them in these dramatic, almost even unnatural positions. The posing is so intentional, but you also get this intimacy at the same time. And I think that comes through really well in this particular portrait. I agree. Some people were afraid to sit for Sargent because they felt that he drew out their souls in a way that maybe they didn't want to display in public. Somebody who was as interested in the sort of arts in Paris of that period, interested in dreams, interested in sort of the inner um, souls of people might have relished the opportunity to be painted that way. I will say that there is a tradition of that sort of déshabillé in 18th century portraiture where you see male sitters wearing turbans and banyans, which were also sort of at home wear. So there is a little bit of art history behind it, but this one just looks so different and so dramatic and so sort of both public and private at the same time that it's a remarkable, remarkable picture. Another remarkable portrait. We have to talk about the portrait of W. Graham Robertson. Actually, when I was in grad school um, and we were studying late 19th century dandyism, this 
portrait was used as a supreme example. So who was W. Graham Robertson? And can you describe what's happening in the painting for us a little bit? Absolutely. So Graham Robertson was a man in London who was involved in artistic circles. Sargent knew him in a variety of capacities. They had a lot of mutual friends. He was a designer very involved in the aesthetic movement, an associate of Oscar Wilde, while people were still willing to admit that they were associates of Oscar Wilde, because remember that Wilde trial for gross indecency is, is happening at just the moment that this painting was being made. Robertson is standing in an interior. He is holding a jade-handled cane in one hand, and his other hand is sort of on his hip. And at his feet is a very round mop of his very aged poodle dog. (laughs) It's a long, thin portrait. And Robertson is wearing a Chesterfield overcoat, which was one of a variety of styles of overcoat for men. But Sargent took charge of both the portrait and of that overcoat. The painting was made in August and it was really hot. And Robertson was asked to wear this heavy woolen overcoat, which then Sargent wrapped and pinned and pulled around him to give him this pencil-thin silhouette to the point where Robertson complained about it because he was so uncomfortable during the sittings. And Sargent said, you must wear it. The coat is the picture. And it really, truly is. It, it's almost like a graphic element inserted into the portrait. It kind of gives that impression. It's very tubular. It's very straight up and down. I, I love this painting so much. Also, too, he looks quite young. How old was he when this portrait was painted? Oh, now you're going to ask me a math question that I don't have in front <laughs> of me. <laughs> well, so... We'll have to do the math. He was not as young as he looks Mm. in that, but he was a young man. Robertson was associated with the Wild Circle. He was designed the sets for Wild's production of Salome and very much a part of the esthete and the circle of artistic young men in London who were satirized often in the press. And the fact that you call it graphic is particularly apropos because there are cartoons of these aesthetic young men in um, magazines like Punch, which emphasize this pencil-thin, long silhouette. And when the Robertson portrait was first displayed, it was described as the ideal dandy of our present age of grace. I should also say that the whole idea for this exhibition started when um, there was an exhibition at the Petit Palais in Paris in 2016 that was about Oscar Wilde and images of the dandy. And I was invited to give a paper about Sargent's portraits of men. So this portrait has been with me for a long time. And Sargent's manipulation of clothing was something that I realized uh, when I did that paper and it led to the entire exhibition. So Erica, you are, of course, eminent Sargent scholar. We have been talking about my favorite pieces so far. I would like to ask you if you have a favorite piece in the exhibition and if you would tell us about it and why. That's a really hard question because I love them all or I wouldn't have picked them for the exhibition. I love all the ones we've been talking about. I have 
a bit of a special fondness for a painting that's not very flashy, hmm. which is a portrait Sargent made of a woman named Jane Evans. Jane Evans was the head of a house at Eton College in England, the very prestigious British boarding school where Prince Harry went and got into a lot of trouble. <laughs> and it's it's not a place where women have traditionally held positions of authority, even now. It's, it's a boys' boarding school. And Jane Evans was an exception. She uh, took over the running of a house at Eton from her father and ran it for many years. And her former students commissioned Sargent to make a portrait of Jane Evans when she retired. She is an older woman with an amazing face, a face that sort of radiates both authority and also sympathy and kindness. And his magic at capturing both of those things, I think, is, is very evident in this portrait. One of the things I like about it is that she's wearing the woman's equivalent of menswear. Yeah. She's wearing a black wool suit with a jacket and an unembellished skirt. She is sitting in a chair with one hand resting at her chin and another resting on the arm of a chair. It's a, it's a pose that is often used for portraits of men. Her only decoration is a little cap on her head that would have been appropriate for a woman of her age, and also the fob of her office, which looks like a watch chain at her waist. And the whole portrait is giving her an authority through the clothing that she's wearing. Mm -hmm. If Jane Evans had been wearing a silk, satin, pink dress, she would not at all be perceived with the sense of power and authority that she had through her position. So I love the way that he's using the conventions of masculine portraiture to show a woman of position and power, really. I love that one too. This idea, the subversion of gender is comes up. This is not just in this portrait. We see it in other of his works as well and depicting women wearing menswear styled clothing. Absolutely. And of course, that's something that is common in the culture. This is a moment when women are coming much more onto the public stage. Women's colleges are founded. Women are becoming doctors and lawyers. They're social reformers. They're founding the Audubon Society. They're taking up roles in politics. So it's not surprising that there's a new woman emerging at this moment that Sargent is also very capable of capturing both in their assertive poses, but also in the clothing that they wear. Yes. Well, Dr. Hersler, thank you so much for joining us. If any of our listeners would like to learn more about your work on Sargent, would you like to highlight some of your publications and maybe let them know where they can find you online? I have been a little bit of shy of social media, to be honest with you, but mm -hmm. I am easily Googleable if that is a, <laughs> a, a word we can use these days. <laughs> I've written quite a bit about Sargent in various catalogs. Um, I've also written quite a bit about women artists. I have a book about Sargent's portrait of the daughters of Edward Jarley Boyd, which was one of his earliest masterpieces, a portrait that's not quite a portrait, 
of four little girls in the foyer of their parents' Parisian apartment, a portrait that's been looked at in different ways over time and one of the icons of the MFA Boston's collection. So I would point people in that direction. It's newly out in paperback. And I can also say Fashioned by Sargent is a volume that's easily available online. Yes. And this is, of course, the exhibition catalog to the exhibition, which we've been speaking about. Thank you so much again. Listeners, rush out and see the exhibition Fashioned by Sargent. It is up until January, is that correct, of 2024? January 15th, 2024. So please come to Boston. The winters are not as they used to be. So you should feel free to come even in January. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Erica, thank you again for joining us to chat about one of history's greatest portrait painters and the exhibition Fashioned by Sargent, which is on view now through January 15th, 2024 at the Museum of Fine Arts, Boston. Listeners, if you cannot make it to Boston in the next couple of months, fear not, because you can also pick up a copy of the exhibition catalog from our dressed bookshelf. So you can head on over to the link in our bio, in our show notes, or on over to bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash dress to purchase a copy via an independent bookseller. And while you're there, you can also explore more than 100 of our favorite books on the dressed bookshelf. So head on over to bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash dressed. That does it for us today, dress listeners. May you consider how your outfit of the day reflects your savoir faire next time you get dressed. Remember, we love hearing from you. So if you'd like to write to us, you can do so via email at hello at dressedhistory.com. That is our new website where you can find more information on our upcoming fashion history tours, classes, and anything else we might have up our sleeves in the coming months. You can also DM us on Instagram if you prefer, and that address is at dressed underscore podcast. And this is, of course, where we post images and reels accompanying each week's episodes. If you'd like to search for the Instagram content specifically related to this episode, you can use the hashtag dressed331. That's dressed and the numbers 331. Thanks, as always, for listening. More dress coming your way on Tuesday. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of Dressed Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.